After a year off stage, on this episode, we consider how amateur theatre can reimagine shows for its returning audiences. This is The Oddcast. Welcome to the Oddcast, Ireland's musical theatre podcast. My name is Keen O'Dowd, and you are listening to the show that brings you the latest news and opinion, not just from the professional scene on Broadway in the West End, but right here at home on the Irish musical theatre circuit. I am, of course, joined once again by my, let's call them intense co-hosts, Daniel Ryan and Adam Trundle. We're back to I. I got I, I got a sense of nostalgia for those I adjectives. <laughs> I I felt that it was too long away. One episode was too much. I had to come home. It was two weeks of regret of waking up at four in the morning. <laughs> Cold sweat. What have I done? No. Such a grievous error. <laughs> I'll never live this down. So intense. It was. <laughs> but I think I think that's the person I, I want to be now post-COVID, somebody who admits their mistakes. Mm, yep. It's the kind of persona that I now want to adopt. It's about new beginnings, new appearances, new changes. Dan, you have a new appearance. I, I do. I've got a, a tasty little short back and sides. I'm rocking right now. Yeah. It's a shame. It's a shame that this is not a visual medium. <laughs> Can I just say it's, it's gorgeous? Post a picture. Uh, maybe I will. You didn't post. <laughs> Actually, a, you didn't post a picture of your double crown. I after did the not last post one, a picture so. of my double crown. <laughs> yeah, no, you get a full you get a full glimpse of the double crown now. There's no hair blocking it off. So full full on full display for everyone to see. Really, I think what people are going to imagine when we say double crown is tufts of hair emerging from the very front of your head and separately. <laughs> from the back. Unfortunately, not tufts to the front, but many tufts to the back. Many, many tufts to the back. <laughs> but uh, so, what was the experience like? Because I haven't managed to get my hair cut yet. It, was it therapeutic? It was lovely. It was really nice. Oh, it's just great to get a haircut again. I will miss being able to. Um, like I suppose, like wave my hair around, like I would move it, and it would nearly have a life of its own. Headbanging just isn't the same to those Slayer tunes. It's just not the same. It really isn't. But um, no, it was sure it was lovely. I mean, I'd I'd quite a lot of hair. I got a lot of hair going on. I've a lot of I've a lot of hair. I had a lot of hair, and the it was funny the bar, the barber. Like I don't think even, and I was I was kind of surprised because I like you know shortly even early on in the week you know, and we've obviously like barbers and hairdressers etc have only just reopened but i would say he would have I, I was assuming he would have seen a few dreadful looking barnets already by that stage you know <laughs> i'd assume but i i was gonna get the impression that he hadn't <laughs> which kind of made me worried and um and he, so he thought yours was concerningly bad yeah he, remarkably he, bad insofar as he felt compelled to say yeah he about. did he described it as thick <laughs> Like and not the not the two C's kind of thick, the good kind of thick. Like I think, <laughs> like just thick as in, oh my god! Like how have you and and yeah, like so much so that he'd be running the 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 blades through through the back of my hair. And you could just hear it, and it's all chugging along fine. And then it would just like catch a, a tuft, probably. <laughs> and it was it was just there like and it did that more than a few occasions. So yeah, it was definitely it was definitely time. 
definitely time for a haircut <laughs> but uh it was great it was absolutely fantastic it's it's quite literally a weight a weight off my mind i actually think i'm going to have to visit the farmers at the cura to get a sheep <laughs> shears <laughs> initially yeah. for the first cut yes. for yes. the first yes. cut before i go to a, a commercial barber for something yeah, yeah. a little more finessed mm, the pre-cut yeah, yeah. yeah the pre-cut <laughs> that's my concern but it is yeah what did i say i was in uriah heap or i looked like <laughs> i was in uriah heap last yes. time out yes. yeah with some band no one heard of like that yeah, yeah yes yeah it's it's gotten worse it's a little more it's kind of i'm about to release a grunge album <laughs> oh i think a, that's kind of i think where it i don't is. Know, did i say it the last time around as well that you have a beautiful center parting going on like it's it's following it's it's yeah. it's, it's conveying like to the laws of gravity and all these things it's majestic as things generally do yeah, yeah most things do. Well, not my hair but uh, <laughs> other people's apparently yeah. uh, no it is honestly the best thing about me at the moment and so I'm therefore concerned about actually getting it cut it's going to be quite maybe Samson-esque when I do yeah, I'm afraid yeah it's but I, I am looking forward to it it's just I think it's without getting too symbolic about the whole thing <laughs> it is it is like losing the tension or the shit of <laughs> COVID and lockdown and all of that. And you're you're like, new post-COVID year, new me. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So that's that's my take on it. It is not just our, let's call it, um, follicle appearances that are changing. It is professional musical theater as well, Dan, because I understand that the theatre world, the world of stage is awakening once it's a, more. It's a landmark moment for the podcast. We can finally talk about shows that are opening. <laughs> Imagine. Nature is healing. Oh my God. Only like, what are we, how many months into this? We're nearly 15 months into this podcast. If we can finally say that. Yeah. Well, we have managed to sustain 15 months of talking shite admirably, I, know. I think, I know. while waiting for some actual music. Scholars will talk about this kind of, you know, stalling and this time of um oh filibustering of this of this kind of level really now it's taken it to another level but yes good news coming from both broadway and the west end Mm. we're getting full getting every day i'm seeing it pop up on my social media about a new show that's announced when it's coming back so it's great to see so i suppose from like i don't know further afield but like broadway as a starter you know i mean they're slowly getting back to reopening i think within the month and i know the mayor for New York has said by the, you know, by middle of September, you know, that all theatres will be open, they'll be able to reopen without restrictions at all, you know, which is just, you know, it's amazing to hear things like that after so long. Bill de Blasio's feeling optimistic he and is. I am too. I'm <laughs> all for it. I'm all for it. So like there's a whole host of shows and like, you know, so we have like, you know, Ain't Too Proud, which did very well at the Tonys the last time they were held, mm-hmm. which was probably about four years ago at this stage. Like that's going <laughs> back as for like a mid-October return. Um, Chicago, which will continue its run as like the longest running revival on Broadway that's coming back from September. I think it's due to kind of return the night that you're allowed to fully open again. Um, oh. Come From Away is due to come back in September. Um, and I saw... It is literally coming from It is from quite away. literally coming from very far away. And I, saw, I think I saw <laughs> during the week, because obviously it's being recorded um, to be broadcast, yes. I believe, on Apple TV. Don't quote me on that. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. So they're... Well, you are on a published Shoot. podcast, so you will Don't be fact quoted check on it. that. Um, <laughs> and so they'll be back in September, but they're obviously, I think they're back already to do that recording. Uh, the revival of Company, which is based on the West End revival from a few years ago of obviously the kind of the gender swap version. So a female Bobby. Exactly. Katrina Lenk, Patty Lapone reprising her role as well. That's you. Uh, to, I think it got through seven previews 
uh, last year and then it, it, in huh. March last year and then it was closed fully. So uh, they'll be back from December. Pretty good innings for a Sondheim show, must be said. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's still top 10 for him. That's, that, yeah, that's <laughs> definitely up there with the longest runs. And um, we've got Diana, the musical, which is actually, so it's due to preview. It's opening night is going to be in December, but it's actually going to be filmed and released on Netflix before even previews have started. And they're due to film it in the autumn and release it on Netflix, which is kind of an odd mm. reverse mm. kind of way of yeah. promoting it. Um, little known juggernaut Hamilton is also returning in September. Uh, Haven't heard of it. Never Tell heard me of more. it. <laughs> mm. um, Mrs. Doubtfire, which I know is one that a lot of people are really looking forward to seeing. Rob McClure mm. is starring in that. That's coming from October. Um, and The Music Man, obviously the big, big kind of one of the big shows that didn't get to open last year. Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster. This is the one that I would take out the second mortgage on the house to go see <laughs> because I <laughs> love the music man. Well, you've got you've got until 20th of December to get saving and then you can get your get your ducks in a row, get okay. in, get in touch with the bank and get that mortgage done. Um so there're just a few snapshots but I'm whole... sure Emma won't mind me raiding the wedding fund <laughs> for <laughs> tickets. She'll understand surely. But, um, Actually, this will be a good acid test to see if she listens to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> get a, get a dig. <laughs> um, and then from the West End as well, a similar kind of story. So I think, obviously, again, vaccination program rolling out very well in the UK. Highly jealous over here. And mm-hmm. um, so I think the the way that it was worded, it was like no earlier than the 17th of May for obviously a return to theatre, you know, obviously with kind of social distancing, etc., but um, it all seems to be going very similarly. So at least, you know, theatre producers are, are glad that they can actually kind of start preparing for this. Um, and I suppose some kind of like key ones to note that are that have already announced when they're going to be returning. So we have Les Mis is returning with the staged concert um, again. So I think when they were doing up the, the Queen, what was the Queen's Theatre? It's now the Sondheim mm. Theatre to obviously take out the Revolve and come up with new staging for Les Mis. There was a, a staged concert version um, took place across the road at the Gielgud Theatre. Now they're actually bringing that back again, um, this time in the Sondheim Theatre, so it's going to be uh, in its oh. in its original home. Um, they have, everybody's talking about Jamie. Jamie is due to come back in the middle of May, so in a few weeks' time, around May the 20th. Uh, Les Mis is also uh, May the 20th as well. Um, we've got Heathers is due to have another run uh, at this time at the Theatre Royal in Haymarket. Right. Um, before Fantastic go- show. Before it goes on. It's, I think it's actually concurrent with the UK and Ireland tour that's due that's to right. kick off later on this year. Because that's going to the board gosh in October, I believe. It is indeed. Yes. I think you're right. Have you still got your tickets, lads? <laughs> yes, uh, I have them. I'm and I'm really optimistic that I'll actually be able to use these ones. Third times the charm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but that's due to in middle of June. We have the new Cinderella musical, which is from Andrew Lloyd Webber and Emerald Fennell, now Academy Award winner Emerald Fennell, yes. um, and starring Carrie Hope Fletcher. Also due to open in June. We've got mm. Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat is due to come back again this time in, in oh. the summer. Um, the the one that we're all that we've talked about before, Phantom of the Opera. What's it going to look like this time around? Uh, is due to mm. open in the middle of July. <laughs> um, so it'll be interesting to see what that what actually happens. Um, Frozen is going to make its long-awaited 
West End debut. Uh, so it's going to open in August. Um, and we've got Back to the Future. The musical is also going to open in August as well at the Adelphi Theatre. So there's a, a few kind of snippets as well from the West End. Another film tie Another film, my God. Who would have thunk? Yeah. Between bro- <laughs> between looking to Broadway and looking to the movies, that's how, that's how the West End's stacking its shows lately. Yeah, out of all of them, I think the one that really piques my interest and the reason it piques my interest is possibly a kind of nostalgic reason is the idea of a new Andrew Lloyd Webber musical because obviously he is such a prolific and high-performing composer. This idea of Cinderella, now I know there is a previous Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella that people might be familiar with, but this one is a modern take on the Cinderella story if I'm right. Yes. Yes, no, I think I think you are, as as he put it himself, I think it was a story, it was a subject matter that he'd wanted to do f- for a long time. But it, it's only when he saw what, what Emerald Fennel had kind of put forward and was kind of bringing to the table, that's when he got really excited about it, you know, because I, th- I think it's something he's looked at for a long time, but he was just never, he was just never convinced, you know, in terms of like the story mm. that was being brought forward. So it, it's it's going to be interesting. And, and I, I agree it's it's really cool to see a new Lloyd Webber musical. And for someone who has been very vocal all throughout, like, you know, the pandemic and the mm. lockdown, you know, I mean, he was very involved. Like he was putting himself forward as like testing the vaccine. You know, he was trying to get, you know, trying to run pilot schemes to get people back into theaters and such. So I I I, hope, I I I can't wait to see now what he what 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 else he's been working on. He's been a busy yeah. man. He I there are three songs from it that are published so far. You can find them on Spotify if you just look for Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cinderella. They've been mixed, I would say. <laughs> so I'm interested to see what the full musical is like. But, you know, I'm ex- I'm excited because, as you say, it's it's Andrew Lloyd Webber. It's the guy who wrote Joseph and Evita and Jesus Christ Superstar. So you expect it to be a certain standard. Mm. I'm I'm really hoping it's it's good. Yeah. Really, really hoping it's good. So we'll just have to wait and see. I guess, thankfully, we won't have to wait too long. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. So, Adam, now that things are warming up nicely over on Broadway and the West End, do we have any similar activity uh, stirring in the Irish musical theatre scene? Not yet as such in terms of news of of openings. I think the Irish theatre scene, professional and amateur, is a little bit behind our our neighbours across the pond and further afield. Um, I mean, like there was a concert by Ames Choral Festival. That's Uh, right. So the Ames Choral Society put on a night in at the musicals, uh, which was a free concert, um, which I'm sure if you check it out, there could be a, a continuing stream link. Um, there I'm actually mm. not sure and um, at this point um, you know it feels like I've already started talking so why would I do my research you know or mm. as no, we said I, I it's, wouldn't it's 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 15 months of filibuster I'm, I'm barely hanging on to this microphone um, what it does is research creates an expectation <laughs> that you're going to do more research yeah, yeah. and I think and that's a dangerous work. thing to set up yeah I don't want to set a dangerous president but uh, uh, yeah. you know suffice to say um, you know, congratulations to Kevin Kennedy, who was the director slash MD of that concert and to everyone else involved because... Yes, shout out to Kevin. Because it is nice to just have things on, you know, while yeah. we're waiting for, for kind of more solid news about when we can expect professional and amateur theatre in this country to kind of um, kick back off properly. But as we said, you know, 
here's hoping that the board gosh uh, for the things it has rescheduled to later in this year here's hoping that by the time we get there you know kind of after the summer september october time we might be in a position mm. where the vaccine rollout has been sufficient and, and the numbers are so low that we can kind of return to some semblance of normal and and maybe start seeing some some aim circuit shows or see some streamed aim circuit musicals well i think it it is uh entirely likely we're going to see a season proper when you look at the advice that's coming out and the projections that are coming out that we might have some semblance of normality i think it'll be i think we'll see people in theaters much sooner than christmas Mm -hmm. i think we're going to be there a lot earlier and maybe even in late summer if you look at some of the projections that are out out there so fingers crossed for something optimistic also have to give a rather shameless plug to the odd theater company's production of the last five years starring daniel ryan and of course keelan kildoff you can get your tickets for that on riverbank.ie priced at a very reasonable 15 euro per stream and it is on 3rd of july so what can i say what's the point in having a podcast if you can't plug your own wares that brings us i think to our topic for today because what we said at the outset is in anticipation of theaters reopening of societies beginning to rehearse and to plan shows and to think about directing them is to look at how we might as amateur theatre, stage shows in Ireland going forward. Because I think there is a lot of focus on doing things in a traditional proscenium staging, that very classic audience all sit on one side of the hall facing a stage on the other. And a, a more traditional type of setting of the show in a style similar to the original Broadway or the original West End productions and leaning very heavily on those in terms of costuming, in terms of choreography, in terms of even performances of the the lead actors. Mm -hmm. And what we want to talk about today is some of the alternatives that societies might be able to look at and might be able to think about when they welcome audiences back to the theatre. Because I think that they would enjoy a surprise. Yeah. Mm. It feels it feels right almost like you know I think a lot of societies are going to treat you know this extended time away as nearly like kind of like you know pressing the reset button almost. Hmm. And certainly like you know and that and that can cover like all areas including like you know I suppose for directors and production teams in general like you know you know not just like an actual director but also like you know be it your lighting or your sound you know or or any asset of that you know how can you do things a bit differently you know is there Mm. is there something that you've always wanted to try is there something that you'd love to try is there something some new and exciting way of doing it because i i I totally agree like you know a lot of what you see is you know the kind of the classic proscenium staging you know and very very much you know following almost you know to the letter what's put down in a script and it's 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 really about kind of encouraging this kind of idea you know to kind of think you know what if you know what what is there anything looking at everything like is there some way i could do this differently well dan you have a little bit of personal experience in this because very recently you did a best overall show winning production of joseph and his amazing technicolor dreamcoat with athlone musical society that turned the setting of the musical a little bit on its head moved it away from that biblical timeline and set it squarely in the modern day. Now, obviously, most of the shows that we've all done are 
very much, as I say, leaning on the original setting in the Broadway or West End production. What was it like to do that? What were the what were the benefits of it that you would see for a society? Um, what? Well, first of all, it was very it was it was fantastic. I I still remember sitting down with with Alfie Alfie Kilduff, um, the, who who's the, the director, director. Mm. and. Uh, you know, I remember him kind of running me through his kind of like his idea and his vision for the show. And I remember I because I, I was so hoping it would be kind of, that you know, the traditional, the biblical style. I just had it in my head. I'd be like, oh, that'd be so cool to do. And I just thought it would look great. And I remember, I'll be brutally honest, I remember when he when he when he, when he ran me through it, I was nearly thinking, I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> okay. Like when, he, when, when I initially heard like it was like, oh, it's going to be a modern telling. I was like, oh, OK. But when, as 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 he as he ran me through, like literally scene by scene, like mm. you know, so obviously at, at the very beginning, the kind of over the the overture, and into um, any dream will do, you know, it was kind of how was it? Obviously, it was like a modern kind of like a city kind of landscape almost, you know, and you saw like all the kind of the adults of 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 the chorus, you know, were kind of going around you and like you know, and like the kind of key message from it was kind of essentially kind of tying back into at the time, you know, like Greta Thunberg and, and the whole kind of climate change movement, because obviously we had like a kids course and kind of building on, you know, the kind of you know, key role that young people had played in that kind of, you know, mm. I suppose that whole... In, in that climate action exactly, movement. Exactly, yes. Yeah. And because the, the message of Joseph is in some way about one person having the capacity mm-hmm. through their goodness to change the world. Exactly. And that's what Joseph as a biblical figure from antiquity does. And the parallel is being drawn in that production to Greta Thunberg. Absolutely. Or, or similar individuals having an effect on climate action. Exactly. Yeah. And, and like that, you know, and it was very much like, because we also had in the kids course and they were the ones like, you know, obviously kind of highlighting, you know, by picking up people's like trash, et cetera, et cetera, you mm-hmm. know, and, you know, you know, displaying, you know, the the bad actions of like obviously all the grown-ups etc and then that obviously continued right throughout you know i think you know for potiphar you know it was kind of now a more steve jobs kind of setting you know kind of and like you know kind of motifs to like you know like the apple corporation and such like um you had you know like the pharaoh kind of you know it was kind of like almost kind of like a vegas casino kind of style you know so still able to kind of keep in touch with that kind of you know elvis presley kind of motif that obviously runs through it but also then being able to play in the idea of like a casino that's in the style of like of, of, of Egypt, etc. So those, those kind of continued that modern kind of theme continued right throughout. Um, and I suppose it, for me, and I think for like everybody in the company, really, it was it was just amazing to see how just something like that could even work it, it, on paper. You just like, oh, it sounds it sounds crazy in theory. Like it just sounds like it's just such a mad idea. And you really sit and wonder, you're like, where did the production team, where did they get this? Like, how did they think of this? Because when you did it, it just felt so natural. It just felt, it was like, this makes perfect sense. This makes so much sense. There was so much stuff like to the level that you're kind of like, it almost nearly seems like kind of creepy serendipity kind of style almost like, you know, it was almost nearly cosmic because it just fitted so well with what the, the, the narrative and the theme that they were trying to portray, it just really worked. So as somebody who was in the show, I mean, it was just amazing to see, to just to be able to be a part of something like that. It was amazing. And how do you think that, because you, you said there that it felt like you were part of something that was a little bit innovative, that maybe moved how people might see or think about the musical along. 
I mean, how do you think it resonated with the cast and, and how, let's say as an ensemble, do you think it's something that they really bought into? I mean, like, honestly, I think we probably at some level probably we all felt like absolute geniuses we were like we are <laughs> like we are at... i'm fully taking credit for this yeah <laughs> like literally like i think we all just feel like we are because you know it really was like a group effort and we just probably we all we all felt god we are at the cutting edge like you know like this is monumental yeah. what we're doing here because i can't like even if you look like we've mentioned it there like you know the revival of it on the west end like that's still a biblical setting there might be some slight kind of modern updates but not massively mm. like the overall theme is still like the original and yeah we just mm. it, we just we threw ourselves into it and we just totally embraced it but it 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 was one of these crazy things that we threw ourselves into it and we totally trusted it and the result was that it just felt it felt like it's how it should have always been done really so it, it mm. truly is a success story in terms of taking taking a, a classic show and taking something that's been done a certain way for a very long time and asking that question what how can we do this differently because i guess the main benefit is like if you know if like there's only a limited number of shows that kind of get done very regularly on on the aim circuit and you know if you're someone who is going to a couple of local shows every year you know, you're going to have seen all of them. And, you know, by the time you, you, you know, you've hit a couple of years on the scene, you could nearly go and see two productions of the same show in two different musical societies in two different years and see, you know, the exact same staging, very similar choreography, mm. the same costumes with a very heavy lean on, you know, if there's a film version of the musical or, if, you know, if there's some other recorded version of a professional mm. production. Um, it's not to be negative to say that 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 there's anything wrong with that because in a lot of times that's what you want to see you know like you're expecting to see you know a really strong version of the classic production of a show but mm. I guess it's you know like the reason we're talking about it is is you know we've been accused of being negative in terms of the room 101 and throwing a show well I certainly have in terms of throwing all the cowboy musicals out <laughs> Um so I, I guess it's like, well, can we salvage those old reliables by, you know, if if one in every five productions of it every year were, you know, had something imaginative, whether it's a change mm. of setting or, uh, you know, a, a change of staging even, because Keen, you were telling me uh, prior to us starting recording that, you know, there are other options than proscenium. Mm. Yeah, like that, that traditional, um, that traditional staging where, Every, all the audience sits in a row of chairs looking at a stage on the other side of the hall and they all face the same way. There are a number of other ways you can do it. And I have to confess, I have been part of play productions that have used other types of staging, but I have mm. never seen a musical society do one. And there are three kind of main alternatives to that proscenium staging. There is this thing called thrust staging, where in essence you have audience on three sides of you and you have the stage in the middle of the floor but seat people to your sides and in front of you. You have mm -hmm. what's called commonly in the round or sometimes arena staging where you have the stage in the very middle and you're surrounded on four sides by the audience. And then last you have something called traverse and traverse is kind of like 
the audience is split in two and the stage is right down the middle, all, all the way down the middle. I describe it as like a catwalk stage that oh. extends right down to the far wall. Hmm. And these things get used with a relative degree of frequency in the professional world, even in musical theatre. Yeah. So when they did the 1989 revival of Sweeney Todd on Broadway, it was in thrust staging. When Cats was originally brought out on the West End, it was in thrust staging. The 2000 revival of the Rocky Horror Show on Broadway was thrust staging. Um, th that recent and rather controversial Oklahoma Broadway revival in 2019 was also thrust staging. And, you know, in the round, the original The Man of La Mancha on Broadway was in the round. Oh. There... Hades Town, when it started off Broadway, was in the round. It did change to a more traditional proscenium when it went to Broadway, but at the New York Theatre Workshop, it was in the round. People who've seen the recent Rent Live on Fox, they'll have seen that in the round. There are lots and lots of examples of it throughout the professional world. And when you move into the off-Broadway scene, it becomes very, very common. I mean, even the very recent last five years with Molly Lynch at the Southwark Playhouse, okay, there wasn't an audience, but the staging was in the round <laughs> and they do a lot of musical, or sorry, in thrust staging. And they do a lot of musicals there in, in exactly that kind of thrust staging. And I love these alternative staging because you have the audience enraptured almost the moment they walk in the door because it is so unexpected, particularly in an amateur setting, for somebody to attend a theater, go to a musical, and to be presented with, oh my God, I'm not sitting where I thought I'd be sitting and the stage isn't where I thought it was going to be. And I think straight away, an audience thinks to themselves, okay, so how's this going to work? What do I expect here? All the parameters change. The rules that you think of when you go to the theater have really been blurred and bent out of shape. And the other thing that particularly, I think, thrust and in the round staging, I think what they do is they bring you a lot closer to the action. So if you look at any of those revivals or, or those original productions that I've talked about in the round, if you drag up pictures of them, you look at how close the audience is to the actors, how close they are to the action. It becomes a much more involved experience for the audience. The play isn't something that's happening, you know, all the way over there on a stage that is completely separate to you. It's happening almost where you're sitting. And for anything that I've gone to in those kinds of staging, it has been fantastic. You're, it's kind of at times like being at a tennis match. You know, the action changes from one part of the stage and you're looking over here and you're looking over there. It's, it's fantastic. And I, I think what for some societies, if you have, if you're in a theater and I'm thinking, for example, in New Ross, where we did Ghost last year, you're in St. Michael's Theater. It is a theater with built seating and a built stage. And unless you move to another space, you don't really have an opportunity to change up your staging. But if you are like, I think probably the majority of musical societies in the country, if in a, let's say, hall 
of some school hall or a GA school hall, or... a gym, a GAA, um, a community center. Then you have a lot more flexibility, and I think people should really take a look at that. I think there are lots of challenges with it. Be and people say, well, you know, is everybody going to be able to to see? I. Th- yeah, that was that's kind the of first thing I was in... going to think is like, yeah, if like if... that, that note, that notion was parodied in the producers, Max Bialystok <laughs> says, no, you're looking at the man who invented theater in the square. Nobody had a good seat. So it, <laughs> it's there, there are definitely challenges in making it work, particularly for the actors on stage. But actually, apart from the fact that I think it's better for an audience, <laughs> to see something in the round, I think it's way better for an actor to perform in the round. We all know how to do proscenium. We've all done it lots of times, but when you walk out there and the audience is on four sides of you, it is a completely different experience as a performer. I'd say and the energy in the room is completely different. You're, you're suddenly... It's, it's, honestly, yeah. it's you are performing in the middle of the audience. And it's difficult to describe, I think, what that's like if you haven't, you know, done it. But I think what I could describe is, imagine some of the more electric performances you've had on stage where you really feel the atmosphere of the audience coming up at you from the seats. You get that much more frequently because you're sitting in the middle of it. You're hearing reactions 360 around you. and I really, I would love to see, I would love to go see a society perform Sweeney Todd and see it in the round. Oh, yeah. I would love to see that. I would love to go see Greece and see the car drive right up into the middle of the audience. It, it just has that kind of really powerful dramatic effect that sometimes proscenium staging loses because we're all just so used to it yeah if you want a great example to watch of like watching theater in the round i would totally recommend the tony award performance from once on this island because um, yeah the broadway revival because they did it they actually they did that they did the run of it at the the circle in the square theater in the square yeah and this is 2018 it was yeah and like the but the actual performance on the night came from the theater i think and they had like an audience in with them and everything and like you said like you can see like literally like the characters are coming down through the audience like you know to the main kind of stage in the center but like you can see the audience like they're turning this way and that watching these people mm. coming in i can just see that they you feel like you're a part of it and i'd as an audience member like you would like i totally agree with you you'd love to go see something like that because you just feel you just feel part of that energy you know and and then as a performer it allows you to even to even more bring an audience in and be like you know this is you know this is what it's like up here join mm. us like you be part of this you know because they are audiences are a huge part of you know, the whole theater experience and this type of staging just brings them into it even more. Like it, it would be, it'd be unbelievable to be either on stage or to watch it, I think anyway. Because people say to me, okay, that's fine for a smaller production, something that's really off Broadway, a kind of a rent or an I love you because or whatever else, right? But take out, as you say, once on this island, 
or take out the 2019 Oklahoma. Those are not small shows. They're not small cast. They're not small in their ambition. It absolutely can still be done. And what I think is the added benefit for societies is that by virtue of the fact that you need to improve visibility, you cut down on your set costs. You don't have as elaborate a set. You are much more minimalist, but you're also much more interesting. Yeah. Well, it's less it's less noticeable, you, you know, because if you're an audience member, you're not going to... If you're if the action is right there in front of you, you're not mm. going to notice. You're not going to see any of these things that and the lack thereof, like you know, because you're just going to be totally caught up in what's happening right in front of you. Yeah, I was going to say, like, how does it work in terms of scene changes, or like, if if you if you're you know, it, like, is it sort of leaning towards like, I won't say black box because obviously you can still have costumes and you can still mm. have pieces of set and. Like there's still a lighting that is is like setting mood or whatever, you know. But like, like I presume in and in the round, especially because whatever about thrust, where you still have a back wall, but something yeah. like in the round, I imagine you don't necessarily have, um, you know, large pieces of set because they would get in the way depending on where you're sitting and where the action's taking place. Like you can't have walls, I imagine, because then half of your audience is, you know, blind to what's on the other side of the wall. Yeah, that's true. But I think that is a very freeing and interesting experience, both if you're on stage and if you're a director thinking about it. Because all of a sudden, you're just tearing up the rule book of things you've seen before. You're saying, oh, I really have to stage this in a different way. What happens with a lot of props and elements of set? So as you say, you're right, you're, you're not going to bring on a wall because it's going to block somebody's line of sight on the other side trying to look at the action. But what you do is you still bring on all of the elements of the room, your tables, your chairs, and what often happens is the actors end up dancing or moving those pieces off themselves. So they become part of the technical execution of the show. As much as anything else. I always love that. Even like the recent pro shot of Hamilton, you you just get to see that, you Mm. know, if there is crew, you're not noticing them because they are in costume. But for the most part, it is the ensemble who's doing all of the moving of tables and chairs and things. It's so cool. And that's, that's a great example of it. And the recent pro shot of An American in Paris is very, very similar. If you want a masterclass in how you get your ensemble to move set pieces or props on and off stage look at that similarly but you're right in pointing that out that the the thing that really annoys me is when i see and sometimes it's unavoidable of course but crew members coming on stage moving stuff around and it breaks the immersion an awful lot in a way that it never does when i see the actors or i see somebody in costume doing it yeah because even if you have you know like with all the skill in the world if if you're bringing mm. a crew on and you know for a blackout it's yes. it's going to take you time where the audience is sitting there listening to a playoff you know or or a vamp of some kind but like you know there is still a gap in the action which mm. i guess which i guess you don't have if, if you incorporated a bit better with or 
if you incorporate it by using the ensemble or the actors. Yes. Um, no, it it does. But I think I, I just think it's a style that can work for a whole host of shows, and you know it can be paired with that setting change if you yeah. want. I mean, the likes of a West Side Story, let's say, if you have that choreography so close to you, it yeah. becomes much less about this balletic performance that you admire for its beauty. It becomes much more this kind of visceral fight at the start that you feel like you're in the middle of, that you're in, in this scrum. And it's one of those shows, going back to Joseph, that it's this tale as old as time. It's based on Romeo and Juliet. It can be reimagined in different ways to account for different warring factions or different love stories across enemy lines. I'm, gen- I'm genuinely getting excited just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the same way you look at the arena tour of Jesus Christ Superstar with Tim Minchin and the yeah. way that that modernized the setting of Jesus Christ Superstar. I mean, was it completely reinventive? No, but it it took an existing property and it did something different with it. And that's what I think we are often too afraid of as an amateur theater community is of taking those things and and just transforming them to say something different. Because I, what it does for me is when I was looking, let's say at that Joseph, Dan, I... I'm immediately now focused on the message of the show, not so much mm. the story of the show anymore. Because mm. if I know Joseph really well, it doesn't ever challenge me watching it. Yes. I just go, I know it. I'll just sit back and I'm going to enjoy the songs and I'm going to enjoy a story that I'm really familiar with and not have to think about it in any real depth. Whereas when I'm confronted with it in a different setting, I now I'm pushing the story a little bit to one side and I'm thinking, right, well, what's this show actually about? Like, break it down. What's the message of the show? What's it actually about? And yeah. it's it not helps a, you, I think, to enjoy it on a different level. Is there not a danger, though, that like you're playing to a local audience who want two hours entertainment and who want to hear songs they know and see their their friends and people in the community singing and dancing and and they just want to switch off like is there not a risk that they're going to come in and go what's this i can see mary across the way from me on the other side of the stage and like what's all this like where are they what like do you know is there not a risk that you're you're trying too hard to to be artistic and you're losing all of the entertainment value that that people actually want from amateur society <laughs> absolutely <laughs> absolutely and i think like you know different doesn't equal entertaining no, God, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> there's definitely, you know, there's, there's, there's definitely examples of that. But yeah, I think different for different sake is where, for me anyway, is, is where it mm. goes wrong. Because then, like that, you just lose the entertainment value. And certainly for an amateur society, like, you know, you are, you know, you know you're, you're bringing in people who obviously are not, probably not as into theatre as you are. You know, and some people might have been cajoled along and strong-armed along. So therefore, you definitely don't want them to be sitting there and be like, eh, 
What's he doing? You know, I thought this was Oklahoma. What's he doing with an AK-47? <laughs> why are they giving out stewed like stew, why are they giving out chili at half time? Like, what's that about? You know, actually, that's, yeah. that, that's a good reason to get people in. Actually. That's actually that's one of the better things in that Oklahoma revival. Yeah. <laughs> but like Adam, I'll agree with you in a kind of a qualified way, which <laughs> is Love it. to say that entertainment is king. Once a show is doesn't is losing its entertainment value in order to say something different, I'm not behind it anymore because it's just a waste of everybody's time. Yeah. Art's primary function is to entertain. And I am accosted constantly on, you know, YouTube and social media by various pieces of of art that are just all about the message. And it's lost sight of, well, actually, we need to think, is this funny? Is this yeah. gripping? Is this whatever else? And and the vast majority of new art isn't good because <laughs> it's in the first place not entertaining. Yeah. It's only when you get that sweet spot of something that is brilliantly entertaining, but also it actually says something meaningful. That's when, you know, and Hamilton is is your case in point. So if Hamilton wasn't a spectacularly written show, would it be the kind of force that it is today? No. And would its message have reached as many people? No. So it has to be. And I agree that you can change something for change's sake and you can tinker with it so much that it becomes annoying. But... <laughs> or, so, or something nobody even asked for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just keep drawing like, attention that... to the fact that, ooh, look, it's different. But I would rather, I would rather we tried. Because nobody needs to, in a sense, see Calamity Jane in its original Broadway style again. We might want to, because <laughs> we really enjoy that. But we don't need to, in a sense, that we're definitely not pushing the envelope or saying anything new by doing it. And sometimes that's okay. Theatre doesn't all the time have to be changing and doing something new familiarity is fun and it's good and i'm acutely aware that there are lots of people out there who perform with musical societies all the time who when they're presented with their brand new version of jesus christ superstar that is all about immigration or civil war that they'll go this is the first time I'm doing Jesus Christ Superstar. I'd just like to do it the normal way first. I, I yeah. mean, I can worry about doing a a more interesting version of it at some point in the future. But for right now, for my first time, I'd love to do it the, the original way. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure to an extent, Dan, a part of you would love to do the original biblical Joseph and his amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat too, as much as you enjoyed doing the reinvigorated oh absolutely and i think i I, having having done a reimagined modern telling of it if i was to do it again i like that i definitely would i I would like to be doing Mm. one that's like you know the traditional biblical one because i'm you know like that you've done it (laughs) almost the reverse nearly of kind of you know like you've done it the modern way but i actually would like to see like you know what's the traditional version like you know so definitely yeah Mm. the other one that i i think of as well is the idea of because we actually brought it up when we talked about that production of Company moving to 
Broadway is the idea of gender oh, swapping yeah. certain roles. Yes. Because, of course, we had a a big moment in that vein at the most recent Ames Awards when Katie Taylor mm-hmm. won for her portrayal of Judas in Godspell, which is obviously yes. a traditionally male role. Yep. And That's true. I mean, I think as well of our very own first show, the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, mm. which we had Lynn Carter play the traditionally male role of Mitch Mahoney. And Mitch Mahoney is supposed to be a very tall, very imposing, very gruff guy because he's there doing community service, participating in a local spelling bee, and he's acting as the comfort counsellor. And he's (laughs) supposed to commiserate the kids when they get knocked out of the bee. And when we did auditions for that show, when Lynn portrayed that part, you just went, you know, we can't give this to anybody else. Because (laughs) she did this, I think, brilliant kind of, sassy new jersey kind of from the shore type character and it was just brilliant you couldn't go oh well we'll we're going to try and cast it the original way now it was just sensational and to see somebody play it in that way because you know lynn is pretty diminutive like she's not the big burly um bouncer type figure so she's the exact opposite of that of that part in the way it's traditionally played but you go reimagining it in that way it was just a sensational performance i think because it defied expectations like it did yeah that's another cool like option you you could have you know like there's there's loads of shows out there where where like all of the main roles are men and if you think about the actual story there is no need for it in in the 21st century that every mm. single role is male like i like for example if you think about the likes of pirates of penzance like there is yes. no necessity that that you can't have a pirate queen albeit the fact that there's already a musical called the pirate oh, queen really? <laughs> <laughs> Boobel and schoenberg yeah. might have something to say about that <laughs> but like you know there is huge amount of scope for for gender reversal or for kind of um you know non-typical casting whether it's an age or mm. or anything like that which is again it's a really small change in the scheme of your overall presentation but i think yeah. it adds a huge freshness for your cast in terms of um oh like i've never seen it done like this before even though i've seen 10 different versions of this show in the last 10 years um, and you know, I've never seen this one. Um, and then because we the were audience. talking recently about the idea of, let's say you took Greece, and <laughs> you got all older actors to play the parts in Greece, and it was as though they were at their, you know, thirty-year high school reunion, thinking back to their senior year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you and you play it like that. And it's kind it that idea of seeing people who traditionally you expect to have a certain level of maturity act in a very teenage way. It 
is quite funny in its own right. Yeah, exactly. That 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 it's another one of those things where where and like I think obviously we should be careful in saying oh you should completely change these musicals. Like mm. obviously when you sign on to do an amateur production of something, you sign a rights agreement when you're licensing it. Yeah, in, in, you and, you cannot change the script. Yeah, yeah you exactly. Cannot change and the music. Each musical has its own quirks in terms of of. You know, there mm. might be a, a famous song that's included in a, a film version that's not in a stage version that you're not supposed to do, or there might be a different arrangement that, that you know, or, or a certain costuming that, that you're kind of requested not to do. But kind of outside of what's specifically forbidden in the rights agreement, I think there's loads of room for, for creativity and, and a, a breath of fresh air in, in, you know, in addition to the traditional versions, not instead of. You know, mm. like I, I think it would be just as boring if every version of Oklahoma you went to see was the revival version or was set modern, or if if every show you went to see was entirely gender reversed in the entire mm. Ames calendar. So I, <laughs> I don't think there's any real utility to everybody changing everything, because I, I think part of the excitement of what we're talking about is the fact that it's novel, of course. Well, and sorry. I was just saying, like, would (laughs) on that kind of, you know, gender reverse kind of idea, is there is there any role that you'd ever think, God, wouldn't it be gas if I turned up and auditioned? Like, is there a female part out there that you're like, wouldn't it be gas if I went in or equally keen, you know, as a director, you know, if you were having, you know, open auditions and Mm. if somebody came in, I wanted to read for, you know, let's say let's say a man came in and he wants to read for Mm. one of the female parts, you know, within obviously kind of, you know, I suppose. I'm thinking within reason, but I'm not even sure what in reason really means. So, it, or, or vice versa, yeah. you know, if a woman we, wants to read for a man's part, you know. I mean, we had this recently, actually, in The uh, Little Shop of Horrors, because though we didn't do too much to change Little Shop of Horrors, we moved it from the 1960s to the 1980s, because I think that brought forward a bit of more the the theme of greed and the theme of money, because obviously the 1980s is quite associated with that, that yeah. era of Gordon good. Gecko and greed <laughs> is good and avarice, all that kind of thing. But definitely when it came to Audrey too, you know, I, I had said at the time, well, I'm, I'm not changing too much of the traditional stuff in terms of, you know, I'm not going to change reverse the roles of Seymour or Audrey or or whatever. But definitely if there was an Audrey too that turned up who with a female voice who would just knock that out of the park, I think that would have been great. And I would have loved to see something like that in, in a production. As it turns out, we had your pops Adam, Mark, yeah. who just came in and absolutely was just <laughs> sensational. Too good. Unfortunately. Just yeah, too yeah. good. Just the the best Audrey 2 you could possibly imagine. But I think there are certain parts. Audrey 2 is maybe a very obvious example because yeah, yeah. You, don't, you don't see Audrey 2, but there are lots of other ones that I'd like to see swapped. I, I Now that you've mentioned, because I was racking my brains, I was like, what one would I do? But actually, now that you brought up Little Shop, I'd love to see like a barbershop quartet Ronettes or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something that style. Like, that would be so funny. See like three that, lads, that would three be lads so good or or even like going back to jc i would love to see the apostles and jesus be women mm. and i think that would completely change 
the the tenor of the show entirely. I think it would, I think it would be really, really, and a really, really interesting watch. Um, Thinking like Ariana Grande's performance of God as a Woman from the VMA is kind of job like. Pretty much. Nice. That's <laughs> kind of where I was going mentally. Nice. He's thinking exactly that. And also changing the score to Ariana Grande's. Yeah. 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 A few whistle notes. Beautiful. Yeah. But I think I think particularly because you're you're looking at a situation where things have moved on a little bit, obviously, in not only in terms of maybe the balance of roles in more modern musicals, but also the kinds of shows that societies are choosing because they are tending to choose a good few more modern shows and the balance is a little better. But when you go back to those classical shows, the balance is often quite poor and most of your supporting characters are male. I think there is probably, and, and it's, the, it's the problem that a lot of musical societies have is that they have a lot of male parts to fill and not too many men to fill them with. So on a quite practical level, <laughs> yeah. I think societies mm. would be well to look at is there a possibility of reimagining a classic show in a way that actually uses the vast array of female talents that we have? I'd love to see Singing in the Rain with with Darren Lockwood and Lena Lamont reversed. I would love to oh, see... Oh, that would be great. Nice. I, I think it would be great to see kind of the, the self-absorbed um, kind of male star as opposed to kind of, you know... Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I just think it would... It would because you would preserve the story almost exactly. Donna, um, Donna, yeah. Donna Lockwood and Lee and Larry. Len Lamont. Lamont. Oh, Len, even better. It's even better. <laughs> and and I, I think I, I I think you would lose nothing from that story, and you would gain yeah. so much. Hmm. You know, like you know, like for one production, I just think it would be amazing. I think it would be super, unless anybody think that you know, we're anarchists and we just want to see the the order of things burn. Like, I agree with you, Adam. I'm, I'm not saying that this is every production or most productions, but if every society turned around and said, you know what? One in five shows, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to change it up. We're going to take an old show and we're going to play with the gender casting a little bit. We're going to tr look at our hall again and say, well, how can we change this to do a new type of staging in the round or thrust? Or, um, you know, how can we take a, a setting, maybe an older show, and take its message and make it more applicable to people today and to speak to maybe politics and civic society today? I think that would be great. I think that would be a really welcome change. And I would be delighted to go up and down the country seeing shows like that. Here, yeah. Here. With a classic thrown in here and there for good measure to remind yeah. us. Yeah. For good measure. A bit of, for good measure. Bit of balance. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'd love to hear people's suggestions. I'm, I'm, I'm dying to hear oh, if yeah. anyone has, has a, a kind of a, a, a secret passion project, because I've always wanted to see Into the Woods in the woods that's the one I've, <laughs> that's the one I've, I've always wanted i i think it'd be a bit of a stretch for an amateur music society in ireland to give it a go because you mm. could not rely on the weather and like the no. cost of putting together an outside venue would be would be astronomical 
because it's, yeah. it's been done like you know in in central park the outdoor and and uh, was it regent's park or or somewhere else in yeah. london they they'd done versions before uh, i think the irish equivalent of taking shows literally would be jersey boys and gal jerseys that's uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes yes you know that, yeah. that we can arrange. Well, it's one of many good suggestions. And if you have any suggestions of how you think classic shows or modern shows could be changed up, give us a shout by email at theoddcast at oddtheatre.com or on Facebook or Instagram at theoddcast by odd theatre or even on Twitter at theoddcast by odd. Okay. I think that wraps it up for today's episode. Thank you very much for listening. Make sure that you like, subscribe, follow, whatever it is you need to do on your podcast app of choice to make sure that you don't miss any Oddcast content. But until the next time, stay safe, gang.